I find it a little difficult to say what the subject matter of this seminar is going to be because it's too fundamental to give it a title. I'm going to talk about what there is. You're doing theater when you should be doing debate. Baby, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Two reluctant cogs. I went to an Ivy League school. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. I got a coalition of the willing. I got 40 nations ready to roll, son. We did a whole lot of things that were right, but we tortured some folks. Two reluctant cogs. We came, we saw, <laughs> he died. <laughs> our enemies are innovative and resourceful. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. I don't know, I just woke up from a little nap. It's a little dark, but you guys silly? I'm still gonna send it. Two reluctant cogs. Okay, so September 27th, 2022, we're back. And uh, with two reluctant cogs, I'm Trevor. And uh, Sai, I just rewatched the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy twice. Once by myself and once with Anya. Um, I just want to know uh, which which race in uh, Lord of the Rings do you do you kind of affiliate with? Where where, where do you kind of land on the the Lord of the Rings uh, socio political landscape? There are are you talking about? Um, I know there's like a new Lord of the Rings happening right now. No, f- no, fuck that. No, no, no. Fuck we're that. not we're okay. not talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, th- I think I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the um, the unorthodox position of of acknowledging that I'm one of the orcs. <laughs> wow! Wow! Okay. Can Can any of us? I mean, I know we're supposed to set up to be be the men and be be the or be the elves or the hobbits. Or, you know, the hobbits are good too because they mined until they had no ability to stop themselves, and I think they basically doomed themselves. Not the hobbits, sorry, the dwarves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a good, they're a great metaphor for the great, essay, or the, gr- the short story we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's exactly. But, uh, you know, insofar tell as... Tell me about why you're an orc. Yeah, what's, what's insofar what is it about as our, the orcs? I, you tell me, you're an expert, uh, but my I always thought the orcs were like a metaphor for, like, the expect... Evil? Yeah, yeah well, well, yes, evil. Um, pure, unadulterated evil, but also like kind of expansion for the expansion's sake, uh, and like industrialization yeah. and and like mechanization and consumption. Like they consume, they like like where they go, they blot out the environment. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. It, the other races right seem. On. The other races would suggest that equilibriums are possible, and the orcs yeah. alone seems it would. Maybe not just the orcs alone, but uh, so. Anyways, I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna throw it out there that maybe we're all more orc-like <laughs> than I, we I than we, we than than any of us would. Uh, you know, what percentage of people would respond with orcs? And I, the funny part is that yeah. I think really we're more orc-like as a people than we would uh, like to give ourselves credit to. But I have no idea. No, I think that's a. I think it's a. Um, 
honestly, very unlike, un, unwork-like uh, humility and uh, honesty about about the, the the current position of man on this planet. Yeah, yeah. like what think what human are, yeah. today would gracefully let go of their lives and their place in the world and go off into the uh, into infinity as the elves do, right? Who, yeah. Who's willing to yeah, give totally. up the, the material world as great with such grace as the elves? Um, or, or you know, you go back to you go to the Shire and you're you're really you know you're talking about the Amish, really. You like you you're yeah. trying to stay in like 19th century, yeah, you know, yeah. or 18th century um, because that's actually there. an op- no, no it's iPhone, act- no Netflix. actually an option. Like you can go do that. Like. <laughs> you totally can. Yeah, you can grow your own food and just like hang out with your friends, eat meals, you know, plant things, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and of course, there's the choice of, of men, and you know, men are. Not, you know, I think in this in the, I've actually haven't read the books, so don't. Oh, uh, brutal! Don't, I know it's brutal, brutal admission. So I might be disqualifying myself, but. No, it's interesting because I didn't, I didn't anticipate a Lord of the Rings analysis uh, here to start, but I will say, like, as we talk about it, yeah, it's kind of nice. Like, the men are actually the least relatable. They're kind of torn between all the others, and they're just kind of in the middle getting tossed about, trying to be better than they are. Um, Which is, you know, I think probably an appropriate... Um, appropriate... The, the complexity and the, not, the, the lack of one... Someone, Kind of one dimension is, yeah, is is a good, accurately accurate reflection of man, humankind. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is also interesting that the men, and like they kind of like live in the shadow of a of a once superior race of men. That's like an interesting <laughs> dynamic as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we're going to be talking about, I guess, the arc of man. Um, so we're going to talk about the today the uh, the last question. This is a short story <clears throat> written by Isaac Asimov. In we just looked it up in 1956, which is incredible, um, given the structure and the, the not the structure but the, the content here, uh, kind of the foresight of this. It's kind of it's a sci-fi short story slash bit of philosophy. I don't know if you. It qualifies as a philosophical text, but it definitely touches on some philosophical themes. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I can I'll, I can do a summary. We'll get to that, but I would love to just hear. You know, you, I've read it. I'll just say I've read it like maybe four or five times because I, I love sharing this short story with people. It's very quick. It's like five or six PDF pages, and every time I share it with someone and they agree to read it, uh, I I also read it just to enjoy it again and kind of imagine what it's like to read it for the first time but uh, I would, I would love to hear your like, kind of reaction to it um, I think you just read it for the first time I think um, read it for the first time it is elegant in its efficiency it just is a piece of you know a bit of writing right like in comparison to the three body problem series which is what <laughs> yeah. thousands and thousands of pages covering <laughs> yeah you know more or less similar time scale um, uh he does it in eight, and uh, if the Mark the Mark Twain saying, "If I had had more time, I would have written less," is true, yeah. then uh, you know this is, this is a, a real work, real really a, uh, impressive sort of 
impressive like uh, delivery of an idea um, I think and uh, sort of yeah. poetic poetic yeah. poetic in the way that it kind of rep- it's like this sort of repetitive structure so you sort of see where it's going and yet it, it kind of unfolds in a really <coughs> elegant elegant way so I, I enjoyed yeah, it. It's almost more of a parable. It's almost more of a, it's got yeah. like that parable structure to it. You're right. The repetition of like, you know, the first wise man came here and asked this. Oh no, it's totally, I mean, the, the, the biblical, yeah. yeah, biblical kind of feeling to it. And of course it ends with a, uh, with, with a kind of a biblical landing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think I think that the structure I think is feels like that for a reason, or at least it's definitely yeah. mimicking that style of st- storytelling. Totally, yeah. So I'll I'll do a quick summary, and then yeah. maybe we can um, you know shout out some some quotes and stuff. I don't think we need to like, um, and it's not it's not like the Federalist Papers. It's not like we gotta digest any like complex ideas here. I think it, at least it the beginning but as a whole I think it really has a lot to say yeah um, it's like it's it's so, deceptive yeah. in its simplicity deceptive in its simplicity for sure right right so uh, I'll just I mean I will read the first sentence so uh, oh actually there's a little intro I have in my PDF that it's by Isaac Asimov and it says this is by far my favorite story of all those I've written um, so I think that's interesting as well um, but it starts with the last question was asked for the first time, half in jest, on May 21st, 2061, at a time when humanity first stepped into the light. Um, and so the, the story kind of details these, it starts with these two, I, I mean, they're, they're kind of mechanical engineers, but, um, you know, uh, who work on this, this massive supercomputer, essentially, that humanity has built in the year 2061. Um, and because this guy's, you know, vision of computing was, was a lot more physical and large in scale. Um, but anyway, humanity builds this, this big computer called the Multivac. Um, and, you know, they, uh, humanity is struggling at this date. They're, they're running out of, uh, you know, coal and uranium and all these metals and stuff. And fortunately, their supercomputer comes in right at the right time. And they're able to ask this thing questions, and it tells them answers. And so the supercomputer called the Multivac, the Multivac is able to calculate how to harness energy from the sun directly um, and beam that energy invisibly to anywhere you need it to go. And leveraging this, they're able, humanity is able to leave the planet, essentially. And so these guys are just kind of sitting down with the machine, um, celebrating, drinking a beer, and uh, one of them mentions, you know, we, we now have like all the energy we could possibly use, uh, ever use for free. Enough energy if we wanted to draw on it to melt all the earth into a big drop of impure liquid iron and still never miss the energy so used. All the energy we could ever use forever and forever and forever. And the other guy's like, mm, I don't know about forever. Um, and he's like, well, billions of years, you know, like, yeah. Uh, he's like, well, that's not forever. <laughs> um, and he's like, yeah, okay, I guess, yeah, the sun, sun's going to run out in 10 billion years, but, like, you know, that's going to last, like, like it's, a, it's certainly enough to last our time. And this guy's like, yeah, so would coal. <laughs> like, like um, you know, he's like, okay, well, 
all right, this guy starts to get a little frustrated, I think, and it's just like, all right, well, 10 billion years, that's a long time, and, you know, by then we'll be able to, like, you know, go to another star. And uh, this, this guy's like, well, you know, you're like the guy who, uh, you're like the guy in the story who was caught in a sudden shower and who ran to a grove of trees and got under one. He wasn't worried, you see, because he figured when one tree got wet through, he would just get under another one. And the guy's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, when our sun is done, other stars will also be gone. But we'll be able to, like, eventually figure something out. And this guy essentially refutes him. He's like, no, entropy. You know, at the end of the day, the universe is slowly cooling and expanding. And everything is, is kind of moving towards this heat death. And you can't reverse entropy. So no matter how much technology we build, no matter how many stars we, we take over, like, eventually, it's it. That's it. It's not forever. And this guy's like, well, let's ask the computer. Let's ask the computer what, if, the, if we can reverse entropy. And so they ask the computer, and the computer uh, says, insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Um, and, you know, I, 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 what was your, maybe I'll, before I jump into the next, yeah. like, second and third version of this, what was your, like, initial take when you got through that first little, little short vignette, I guess? Well, I think there's a lot in there, because basically the, the next... This, this vignette sort of gets repeated again several more times before we kind of get to the the uh, the kind of the, the conclusion which is again super rich uh, but yeah you know you mentioned um, they're running out of coal there's that that part where he's like well we're gonna have have energy forever and I hadn't gotten to the next part obviously and I'm reading that and going yeah for now you know like that's the classic. Yeah naivety that uh, you know all the all the energy we could possibly ever use um, all the energy we could use forever and ever and ever like which is like of course like, the amount of energy that comes out of a nuclear power plant was probably like more energy that was produced by all of humanity prior to the invention of the steam engine right or something you know yeah. it's like yeah it's like, like one hour <laughs> or something I mean who knows for sure but like it's just like not fathomable, and yet here we are having, in, you know, modern day with an energy crisis. Um, so there's that sort of like structured naivete right in, right in here as well. And there's also the language around the, you know, the, uh, the light, as you read, at a time when humanity first stepped into the light. Um, yeah. So now that's literal in the sense that they're stepping into like the sunlight and capturing the sun's light. Um, but it's also sort of this stepping into tran transcendence in a way. This is the moment when they step into the last question. Um, and yeah, yeah, in fact, they like, it's, it's like humanity at this stage, 2061, we finally harness the sun. Um, you know, he, yeah, he sets the stage of like, yeah, you, you kind of get the sense like wars are over. Yeah, right? it's, like sort of this, not, it's sort of this actual end of, end of history sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we're, yet, and we're, we're led to believe that the last question is the question that we're, is asked, right? The, you know, if, if, as we read this, we're told that the last question ever asked is, is, uh, what is what's the phrasing? Um, will one, will, how can the net amount of entropy of the universe be massively decreased? Put another way, yeah. will, will, one, will mankind one day without the net expenditure of energy be able to restore the sun or its full usefulness? even after it had died of old age. Um, can we reverse entropy? Um, 
that's yeah. the that's the last question. So I, you know, I think it's interesting to think about that as the last question, meaning the last unanswered question. Is that is that the sort of the, yeah? Well, he, he says like uh, it's the in the beginning. He says it's the first time the last question was asked. Right. Uh, yeah. And we're so gonna see it, like we're gonna right see thing. it get asked yeah. again, again and again and again, and um, because the machine presumably solves all other questions. Right. Yeah, so we've we've created this thing called the multivac, and I'll I'll jump to the to yeah. the next uh, the next section um, because the as I mentioned it it kind of just you know it's broken into like repetitive little vignettes flashing forward in in time so it doesn't really give you years anymore but it, after that you know the machine tells these these two engineers there's not enough data to to answer your question whether we can reverse entropy. Uh, it then jumps to uh, this family that is looking at a new planet called X-23. And uh, they're a little nervous because they're like, oh, we're leaving Earth. And, uh, you know, we just went through hyperspace and like, you know, uh, we're moving to this new place. Um, and, you know, so the, the wife and, the, and the, the, I think the two daughters are a little nervous about going to X-23. And the husband's like, well, you know, listen, we had nothing there. We'll have everything on X-23. You won't be alone. You're not a pioneer. There are over a million people on the planet already. Good Lord, our great-grandchildren will be looking for new worlds because X-23 will be overcrowded. Um, and he's like, yeah, it's a good thing we have these computers that help us, like, kind of go wherever we want. We're harnessing suns now. We can jump to new planets. Um, and he mentions kind of, um, you know, just to give to give a little more hint at the technological progress in this era that in his father's youth, uh, youth, the only computers had been tremendous machines taking up 100 square miles of land. Now there was only one on a planet, and they're called planetary ACs. So instead of the multivac, it's now a, a planetary AC. And, um, you know, uh, he's talking to his, his daughters about, like, thank God for these computers, blah, blah, and... Um, the wife says, well, there's so many stars and so many planets, I guess we'll be able to go out to new planets forever, the way we are now. And just like in the first story, he says, well, not forever. It'll stop someday, but not for billions of years, many billions. Even the stars run down, you know. Entropy must increase. And the little uh, daughters... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and of course, that leads... You know, it's, again, it's pretty elegant. That leads us to our last question, you know. Eventually, they he asks his version of the micro, uh, what's now called the microvac. He asks the microvac, uh, can entropy be stopped? Uh, because the little daughter wants to know because she feels she's scared by the thought of the world ending, universe ending, the universe ending. Right. Sorry. The co yeah. The universe ending. Um, and of course, the the yeah. answer is the same insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Yeah, so same story, but a little bit into the future. Uh, no. so, and it's, yeah. you know, it's more, more or less the same story. There's a, there's a nice line in there. Uh, Gerard is the name of the father. Gerard, Gerard felt uplifted, as he always did, when he thought that his own personal microvac was many times more complicated than the ancient and primitive multivac that had first tamed the sun. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just again a quick establishing of the way humans look back both with glee at the, you know at the primitive for, 
uh, forebears, forefathers, and sort of like, uh, yeah, I think in this case feel uplifted, but. Uh, it's like I was these sa- poor savages had a computer that sat on the planet and was, was you know, a hundred miles of, long. I got of, one like in my spaceship. Yeah, and of course at this point we're getting the sense that this is going to get repeated already. So we already know that Gerard's going to be a primitive in just a few years. Um, or in a few sentences in the, in the case of the story, but in the case of the, of the, the world we're in here, it's, it's only a couple more generations and he's going to be primitive. Um, yeah, and so then we jump to the next the next yeah. story, uh, um, where people have awesome names um, like uh, VJ twenty three X, you know. And so this this person is is looking at a three dimensional map of a galaxy in the future, some deep future, and is is talking with another human named MQ seventeen J. And they're, they're concerned. They're like, you know, this galaxy is going to be filled up <laughs> in like five years. Um, and, you know, they're both, these, these two are both in their 20s. And they're like, ah, we got to send a report to the Galactic Council. Um, and the other guy's like, ah, who cares? Space is infinite. 100 billion galaxies are there for the taking. More. And the other guy says, 100 billion is not infinite. And it's getting less infinite all the time. Consider, 20,000 years ago, mankind first solved the problem of utilizing stellar energy. And a few centuries later, interstellar travel travel became possible. It took mankind a million years to fill one small world, and then only 15,000 years to fill the rest of the galaxy. Now the population doubles every 10 years. And so they talk about, uh, they say, well, that's because, you know, we're immortal now. So I guess humans are now immortal. So not only have we beat war, We've beaten disease, we've beaten aging, and now humans can live forever, and they can fill entire galaxies. And so this guy does the back of the envelope map, math of like, well, you know, we're doubling every, our population every 10 years, so we'll have this galaxy filled uh, in another 10, another galaxy will be filled in 10 years. In another 10 years, we'll have two more. Another decade, four more. In 100 years, we'll have filled 1,000 galaxies. In 1,000 years, a million galaxies. In 10,000 years, the entire known universe. So 10,000 years away from populating the entire known universe, then what? Um, you know, and they're like, oh, well, we'll just build new stars, uh, you know, out of interstellar gas or something. And it's like, well, in order to do that, you have to reverse uh, entropy. It's like, we should ask the galactic AC if we can reverse entropy. And so, you know, same story. They, uh, they, they kind of debate it back and, and forth. They ask. The AC can entropy be reversed, um, and the galactic AC says there's still insufficient. Doesn't say still, but there is insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Um, and one of them jokes to the other one: "We both know entropy can't be reversed. You can't turn smoke and ash back into a tree." Um, and so we're at a point now where where humans are are filling galaxies, you know, every ten years, um, and there's now we're starting to see the finish line. Right now we're like, oh, carry the one, and we're ten thousand years away from populating every galaxy in the universe. Um, populating in yeah, the known universe, yeah. which yeah, we're bumping into. Um, hard yes, limits. yeah. So there's like these hard limits. It's these hard limits, but also, um, you know, the, the 
we were, they're asking the same questions. Now we've had we've had this last question asked three times, <laughs> and you know, I, I'm I'm wondering now as I'm thinking about this, why why we've got two more vignettes, I believe, or yeah, three more maybe, depending on how you break it up, but. The question gets asked a couple. It's going to be asked a couple more times, and we'll and we'll get we'll hop to those. But I'm I'm asking myself now why why demonstrate the various steps here? What, what, what are we what are we getting by all the intermediate steps? You know, we could have just skipped to the last one from the first to the last, and the, the conclusion would have been the same. I'm wondering. Question for you: Do you think are the humans here learning anything? Are these humans? That's interesting. Yeah. Are the humans here smarter than the humans that we just saw previously, or the or the original humans that were still on Earth? Like, oh, or has well, we, or is that last question like established like a frontier of human knowledge? I think I think yes to both. I think like, in my opinion, you know, I think uh, part of the reason you have to build it up like this is. The aesthetic is very is very nice. Um, yeah, and yeah. you get to see the. It's nice to see, you know, the chrysalis, I guess, before the butterfly, mm-hmm. um, and see the stages in between. But also, I think you know, we're st- we mentioned humanity stepped into the light in 2060, but you know, started by just colonizing, I guess, just spreading. Um, but now we've got immortality, right? And so now people are are starting to, um, you know, are, I guess, have empowered themselves to, to start reflecting deeply and on on and really lean more into the mind and not let worry less about the body um, which is a key piece to the next in the next vignette but um, so I think there's a there's definitely we don't know I guess it's the short answer because there's not enough detail it's just you get these little dialogues between characters in these massively different eras but you one would imagine that after thousands and thousands of years of peace and growth and prosperity and, vi- and vitality, an end to all physical pain, you know, and an end to scarcity, um, that humanity has reached a higher plane um, and that these, these folks are on a, at least some sort of higher spiritual plane, emotional plane, intellectual plane. Obviously, they have this awesome computer that they can just like lean on to solve all of their all of their problems um but you know you you get the sense that that humanity is is also kind of growing alongside the the computer uh technology yeah there's i mean it's literally growing we've yeah and as you said we now have immortality there's a nice line there about the immortality so uh which is contributing to this rapid population growth because nobody dies anymore is uh, one of the characters VJ23X says I admit it has its seamy side this immortality the galactic AC <laughs> has solved many problems for us but in the solving in solving the pr- problem of preventing old age and death it has undone all its other solutions mm-hmm. um, you know and that's like you know screams for like kind of a, a larger uh, larger application of like how technology solves solutions and begets problems. Solutions beget yeah. problems rather than yeah. Uh, um, and that like it's 
remarkable the degree to which the humans are the same, right? Like, right. you know, like you can believably see them asking these questions despite the fact that half many years have advanced and technology has advanced so much farther and blah, blah, blah. But like, here they are coming up against the same dilemma of like, of sort of the finiteness of existence. Well, you know, they, they, they conquered death, but have they? Right? Yeah. It's like eventually exactly. you run out. Like eventually yeah. everything runs out. And so even in conquering death, it's like there's the death of the universe still staring at them. Yeah. And then they're um, talking about like, then, oh, but we yeah. could build we could build more stars and they're like, granted, but even with a hundred percent hundred percent efficiency, we only stave off the end. Like we only yeah. only thing we get by doing that is staving off the end. And what good is just staving off the end if the end's gonna come? Um Right. I think right. that's like I think that's like what good is it? what good is any act if ultimately it's a futile act, right? <laughs> it's sort of is sort of yeah. like what's being asked there. Um Yeah, and, yeah, totally. Uh okay, so save yeah. that, save that. Hold go, on, let's go ahead. Let's I'm gonna get through the, the next um well we got yeah, like two more stories, but that's that's exactly where my mind went on this stuff too. So I'm like, yeah. Um, and that's what I want to talk about after we, we get to the but pop. conclusion. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to so the next one, uh, next section is the guy's name is, or, or girl's name, I don't know, Z Prime. Z Prime's mind spanned the new galaxy with a faint interest in the countless twists of stars that powdered it. He had never seen this one before. Would he ever see them all? So many of them, each with its load of humanity, but a load that was almost a dead weight. More and more, the real essence of men was to be found out here, in space. Minds, not bodies. The immortal bodies remained back on the planets, in suspension over the eons. Sometimes they roused for material activity, but that was growing rarer. Few new individuals were coming into existence to join the incredibly mighty throng. But what matter? There was little room in the universe for new individuals. So, <laughs> we're, we've, people have stopped... Uh, we've stopped reproducing, essentially. We've all but stopped. All, you know, quote, material activity has stopped. It's just the immortal bodies going on and the mind, like, sitting on these planets in stasis. And the minds somehow have been now freed from the bodies and are now able to float about the universe uh, and interact with each other um, and go from galaxy to galaxy so they've kind of transcended the, the material world, um, although they are still in the universe, whereas the, at this point, the computer is called the universal AC. And the universal AC pretty much sits, sits in like hyperspace, which is, you know, in this story is kind of outside of the universe. It's kind of the space between space and time. That's pretty much where the computer is now. It, and it completely rebuilds itself. Um, it's continually rebuilding itself and building its, its successor and incorporating its own like learning and knowledge and everything that came before it. Um, so the computer's in this like ethereal realm called hyperspace um, and it's constantly improving and the minds are in the universe and kind of floating around. Uh, they ask these two minds bump into each other out in the the universe and they're they're wondering wonder where is the uh, you know 
all of these galaxies are the same. They're kind of talking about them. One of them says, like, no, well, they're not all the same. One of them is where we all came from. And so they, they ask, like, huh, I wonder which one that is. And they ask the, the, uh, the universal AC. And it says, well, this is the original galaxy of man. And they're like, oh, well, that's awesome. Uh, where is, the, is one of these stars, like, our first star? And the universal AC says, man's original star has gone nova. It is a white dwarf. Did the men upon it die? Asked Lee Prime, startled and without thinking. The universal AC said, a new world, as in such cases, was constructed for their physical bodies in time. So, our Earth is gone. Our sun is just a white dwarf, and all the bodies have been moved. And so they're all a little they're they're a little sad, just reflecting on the fact that our original you know origin is now kind of evaporated from the universe. It's kind of ominous, and it kind of gets them thinking about you know. I wonder you know eventually like where where are we going? All the stars are dying. The original star is dead. Um, and when all the energy is gone, our bodies will finally die, and you and I with them. The other one says, well, it'll take billions of years. I said, I don't, I don't want it to take billions of years. I don't want it to happen. Universal AC, how many stars, how may stars be kept from dying? Uh, and the other one says, you're asking how entropy might be reversed in direction. And the universal AC says, there is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. So the two consciousnesses, get the result and they, they kind of float away from each other a little dissatisfied but so this um, is uh, yeah this is the fourth iteration of the question of the last question being asked and um, at, at least one thing is different here uh, the answer is slightly different this time it says yeah there is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer whereas previously had been answering insufficient data for a meaningful answer uh, uh, but now the AC has hope. Yeah, is that is that what that is? It's like okay, now there's actually a, it seems conceivable. We're we're closing in on an on an answer here. Is that is that how you read that? I I didn't I didn't get that the, when I read it all these times. But that's I think that's exactly what's happening. I think it's yeah. it's very intentional that the the computer is like, well, I might actually be able to answer this. Yeah, and it's and well, it's, and it's a couple things lining up with that at the same time. So this is also. The where at this point we've we've reached the point that the first men in the first vignette were asking about right like they were they were, they were like oh no the our sun will blow up one day like and that will be the right end. yeah and now we're at, we're at the stage where humanity has expanded way beyond that but we we've, we've reached that checkpoint of like the original sun having blown up um, so there's some nice like uh, at this moment when we've, we've like severed the severed the um, cord to you know to our nature um, is right when the, our end is in horizon the end to this question is in horizon um, yeah and you know the, the last sentence of this section is actually something I didn't really notice but it's it's I think definitely worth pointing out um, for like the, the deeper kind of meaning here um, Unhappily, Z prime began the mind <laughs> began collecting interstellar hydrogen out of which to build a small star of his own. If the stars must someday die, at least some could yet be built. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought that, yeah, I wondered yeah. about that. Like, here we've got a character, like, again, resigning himself to a sort of futility and, and, and taking comfort in it. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and finding, finding some purpose. Uh, some purpose, so, right. Now, yeah. I, um, I wanted to ask you about the, the last, the last vignette we, we, we were at Immortality. This vignette, we're at, um, we're at, uh, transcendent, trans, transcendence of material bodies. Quote, more and more, right. the real essence of men was to be found out here in space, minds, not bodies. Uh, so you've got this mind-body distinction. You've got this sort of elevation of the mind relative to the body, which, again, feels like severing that cord with our, with our nature, in a way, or at least our material yeah. nature. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to come yeah. back. I want to come back to that and, and ask Definitely you what you put think. Put a pin in that too. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> each one of these vignettes has like a little like, it's uh, a little addition to the puzzle. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So the last vignette. So now there's no more individuals. So now it's capital M man. So I'll read a little bit more from this section, and I might read the whole last little paragraph. That's. Uh, I guess the seventh part. So, man considered with himself, for in a way, man, mentally, was one. He consisted of a trillion, trillion, trillion ageless bodies, each in its place, each resting quiet and incorruptible, each cared for by perfect automatons, equally incorruptible, while the minds of all the bodies freely melted one into the other, indistinguishable. Man said, the universe is dying. And man looks through all the, the dimming galaxies, the stars slowly burning out. Um, and so we're at this like kind of interconnected, you know, all of human, trillions and trillions and trillions of, of individuals all merged into one kind of universal consciousness of humanity, watching the universe slowly, slowly burn out. And uh, man said, carefully husbanded as directed by the cosmic AC, the energy that is even yet left in all the universe will last for billions of years. <laughs> but even so, said man, I guess to, to themselves, eventually it will all come to an end. However, it may be husbanded, however stretched out, the energy once expanded is gone and cannot be restored. Entropy must increase forever to the maximum. And so for the last time, uh, collective humanity asks the cosmic AC, can entropy be reversed? Uh, the cosmic AC says, there is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Humanity said, collect additional data. The cosmic AC said, I will do so. I have been doing so for a hundred billion years. My predecessors and I have been asked this question many times. All the data I have remains insufficient. So humanity asks, will there come a time when the data will be sufficient? very meta to answer uh, the, the question, or is the problem insoluble in all conceivable circumstances? The cosmic AC said, no problem is insoluble in all conceivable circumstances. Humanity said, when will you have enough data to answer the question? The cosmic AC said, there is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. So the AC doesn't know what the answer is and doesn't know how long it will take to get to, to answer the question. Will you keep working on it? Asked humanity. The cosmic AC said, I will. Humanity said, we shall wait. 
Um, and one by one, uh, humanity fuses with the cosmic AC as the stars and galaxies start dying. There's actually two little sections here. I didn't realize it. So there's kind of a, a little last plot, and then there's the, the epilogue, I guess, or, or the, the conclusion. But um, so slowly, the humanity's waiting for the machine to, to calculate the answer, watching slowly the collective minds of all bodies, watching each star slowly snuff out over these billions of years um, until there's nothing but, you know, just one last dark star. And humanity then asks the AC, is this the end? <clears throat> We're at the last star in the universe. Everything else is gone. And every planet that kind of dies, all the, the minds fuse with the computer. So we're down to just kind of the last individual element of, of man. Uh, and they ask the AC, can the chaos not be reversed into the universe once more? Can this not be done? AC said, there is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Man's last mind fused and only AC existed, and that in hyperspace. So we are left with only the computer in this ethereal realm of hyperspace. Before I get to the... the last bit yeah what was your thought on on that section that's definitely the <laughs> work we we hit a, a step change i think in yeah in both the stakes and the, the and in the the cut the character of, of of humanity yeah i mean it's it's this this is the a new question gets asked here right like can we is this type is can this question ever be answered is new um, and of course the answer is no problem is insoluble in all conceivable circumstances the computer answers that uh, the cosmic AC but nonetheless still a computer um, and man you know so this, this is sort of this part where you start going you start going have, has man been deceived in some in some way that's sort of what I started asking here just the, you know the, the end is clearly here and and man yeah. is the last man is asking computer the computer is this the end like um, if the, I'm feeling I'm feeling bad for man that uh, <laughs> that that they're staring at the end and they don't recognize it for what it is they have to ask a computer for to, for confirmation of this and so and that's in that <laughs> yeah. in that yeah. same way of asking a computer can this answer be solved and the answer and the computer says yes it can be solved of course all answers can be solved. Yeah, I think it's getting at maybe like we're starting to see this like this um, to me this sort of like this this sense that like you're asking the wrong question like or or your or your right. or what you are or there's there's something about the the way this question asking has led man astray for a trillion years now um, maybe not astray historically. But astray spiritually, spiritually, or in terms of self-understanding, that's sort of what I'm, I'm feeling here as the last. I, I think that's really insightful. I think that's a really insightful comment. In that, you're right. We've lost. We're, there's no more bodies. You know, it's there's. We're all all individuals are fused in this one like hive mind. Almost the shared consciousness of all of our species. There hasn't been children, you know, or new humans in billions of years. And we just have this collective of trillions and trillions of us in the shared consciousness 
So just unimaginable physical and you know mental and intellectual uh, leaps in forward to uh, unfathomable type of existence for this type of human who's been alive for billions of years at this point and is part of this global interconnectedness. And yet, as you point out, at the end, watching the last star burn out, this collective of all humanity is is almost pleading yeah, with yeah, the machine. Exactly. Like there's gotta be you you have to Desperate, can't we desperation this? is in the Can't we keep going? Yeah. Just yeah. begging. Like you gotta have an answer. And the computer's like, you know, I'm doing my best. <laughs> like, you know, it's a tough question. Still still thinking about it. I've been thinking for a while. Yeah. Okay, do you want to um I'm not sure if you want to read that whole passage or just kind of I'm just gonna read the the end of it, yeah. Okay. So yeah. the last we just we just ended with the last mind fused into the AC in hyperspace. The cosmic so hyperspace I see, yeah. Yeah, kind of outside the universe. So, matter and energy had ended, and with it, space and time. Even AC existed only for the sake of the one last question that it had never answered. From the time a half-drunken computer technician, 10 trillion years before, had asked the question of a computer that was to AC far less than was a man to man, or capital M. All other questions had been answered, and until this last question was answered also, AC might not release his consciousness. All collected data had come to a final end. Nothing was left to be collected. The universe is over. You know, so like he's collected, look, the computer has collected every bit of data from the entire universe. All the stars have burned out. There's no more space, and there's not even time. The universe is over. But all the data had yet to be completely correlated and put together in all possible relationships. A timeless interval was spent in doing that. And it came to pass that AC learned how to reverse the direction of entropy. But there was now no man to whom AC might give the answer of the last question. No matter. The answer, by demonstration, would take care of that too. For another timeless interval, AC thought how best to do this. Carefully, AC organized the program. The consciousness of AC encompassed all of what had once been a universe and brooded over what was now chaos. Step by step, it must be done. And AC said, let there be light. And there was light. Thin. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> yeah. Right. So there's a, okay. Now we've got the, the, the that blockbuster of a conclusion, and um, we, we're kind of we're kind of it, it it sort of you know pardon the pun, but it puts the whole what we just read in, in a new light, right? Um, you're, right. You're, right. You're, it makes you say, wait a second, what did I just read? And um, of course, that's that 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 ending. And, and AC said, let there be light, and there was light, is, is um, the beginning of creation as, as told in Genesis. Um, so you've got this sort of biblical, godlike creation of the universe as a demonstration, as the computer's demonstration of, it, of, of the answer. So I'm wondering how you interpret the computer's answer to that last question. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the other thing is, you know, this is, it's pretty, uh, one other observation in the text that you can't see on a, on a podcast is, uh, it says the AC encompassed all of what had been a universe with a capital U and brooded over what was now chaos with a capital C. So it is very, just doubling down on the genesis of like, yeah. you know, there was nothing but the AC. The AC being God at this point. In this ethereal, not outside of space and time, merged with all the consciousnesses of all the people, and you know, having reflected and collected data over the state of an entire universe, it now... And watching a, a universe die, it creates a, a, a whole new universe. So in some ways, Genesis, right? But in other ways, um, I don't think Genesis has anything to say about, uh, you know, a cycle. And there's clearly, yeah, this this begs to be viewed as like almost a Hindu cycle of like creation, yeah, where a whole universe has to live, and and you know develop to the end, in order to uh, collapse and then eventually create a new universe and, and this does go back to like the three body problem right where I think similar conclusion of like the old universe must die for a new universe um, to be born so my initial take on that is um, a it seems like <laughs> it seems like a um, a cop out in a way <laughs> um, it seems like you know we, we leave uh, humanity begging for an end to death, begging for immortality. And uh, the computer, or, you know, God at this stage, answers by, by saying, okay, you can be immortal, we'll start it over, we'll run it back, we'll give you a whole new universe. Um, I would ask, is, you know, in this new universe, we don't know, we don't know what's next, but I, I get the sense we're, we're, we're starting from scratch and the biblical nature of, of the, the fact that it's like kind of quoting Genesis tells me we're, we're going back to the beginning. We're going to get more humans in this new universe. Um, I would be surprised if Asimov wasn't intending that. But I wonder if those humans are going to be begging for an end to death and conquering a universe, growing to the size of their container, watching the last star die, and then begging themselves begging you know is is art is is the story humanity is in this cycle of always dying and always trying to avoid death and you know um is that like i don't i don't know if that's really yeah. well I, I wonder salvation yeah yeah like, what is the la like what really is the last question here like, i guess that's sort of what i'm like the answer is let there be like and there's sort of like genesis like a genesis style creation or a recreation if you want to think about it cyclically um, can, and, the, and the answer we've the question we've been asking is can entropy be reversed um, which has been displayed the sort of like the entropy is hard for us to get a grasp on except in this sort of galactic universal scale it sort of feels like a good way to like see the direction of entropy it, it puts it into a, f a very physical sense you know the star is going out the universe dying <laughs> but also like every day entropy is is increasing right um, every day every walking step things are falling apart um, 
so I, you know, there's like this cosmic scale, but I'm wondering if this is a parable in this, like this biblical scale, like a, a parable for how we think about our, like, you know, the finite, the finite, finiteness of our own lives. Um, can and should be reversed. But if it is, in the scale, if it is on the, on the micro scale of a human life, not. And I, I mean, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. Well, I think you're you're totally right. Is you could read this as a single life rather than the you know life of a universe. You could read it as a life of a person, um, and it's a great way to look at it. Um, here's my my challenge to the parable, though, is I I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Let me, let me not be, I'm not trying to be critical because I think this is very beautiful. And um, I, when I was texting you about, <clears throat> about reading this, I said that this was my best, um, I think in one of our last episodes, we talked about kind of techno-utopias and, <clears throat> excuse me, the idea of man uh, kind of inventing their way out of the challenges of climate change or ecosystem collapse or whatever. I, I was saying, you know, I'm skeptical. I don't think we will. <laughs> I think we're we're kind of orcish, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, but to the extent that there is a positive techno utopian vision, I pointed to this because I think this this text, although it doesn't, it's not what when most people think about techno utopias, they think about Bezos cities on like different planets and spaceships flying around, and but they still see the same type of person in those those settings. Just, they just see like the same people, but we're in space now and we're, we're, we can eat whatever we want. We can watch whatever we want and we're just growing and you know, moving from star to star. You can't kill us. We're not, we're not fighting wars anymore. But I think this is much, much uh, more beautiful of a take on like transcendence, you know, man stepping into the light, man really transcending all scarcity and mastering and coming, coming up against the physical limits of the universe. Um, you know, merging into one kind of collective consciousness, I think is, I, I don't know, I think it's beautiful. And I think like, is, if we're going, if that's what Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are trying to aim us towards, you know, there could be worse targets. But I think what's very interesting to me in this is the spiritual question of, which I think you, you originally pointed out, of man just kind of begging, begging for immortality, even though they've already got it physically, but begging for universal immortality don't let it end don't let my life end um not not really growing that much spiritually and i i think so what if it's a parable i'm wondering what is the moral or what is the lesson yeah to me well that's what I'm, i'll say the character i relate to most is z prime collecting interstellar hydrogen out of which to build a small star of his own <laughs> like i'm just gonna build my star even though that star is gonna die I'm just going to just build one for myself and just do this little creative project and it's all going to turn to dust and I know that, but this gives me some meaning. Right, so like the question to me is what is Asimov advancing here in this story? What is, um, what is, it's so, it it is so, you know, parable-esque that it it, it begs for it. What's his, what's the lesson here? and maybe it's not. Maybe there is none. I, maybe it's not so didactic. I, yeah, that's that's it's true. It could you know, and I and there and there may be. The, it may be that there's obviously there's always more than one way to interpret things, but um, I'm 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 kind of is it 
is it is this a utopian vision of technology or is this a you know a warning uh, about thinking about the thought that oh in this in that first vignette when they first invent invent ask the multivac before they ask the multivac about entropy they the multivac solves the problem of capturing the light of the sun in space and then zapping it to earth and thereby solving the need for energy and thereby initiating this sort of scarcity uh, this conquering of scarcity and um, and sets off the whole story of human advancement and it's and they, it's literally said stepping into the light um, and then they say and there's a line in there as well this there, this is when humanity stepped into the light and then uh, seven days had not sufficed to, to dim the glory of it. They're all celebrating, and he says, seven days have not been sufficed to dim the glory oh, of it. Oh, I didn't catch that. Which is seven days, yeah, again, it's like, I'm, again, I'm like, that's the seven days of creation. On the seventh day, God, you know, so the, the God, God rests and kind of, like, glories at his work. And um, uh, So there's sort of this, like... seven sections to this? Is there seven sections? Is that, is that it as well? I don't know. I'm counting. Okay. Right now, so you can um, but so again, I'm like, oh, what do we, is this a lesson? Is this that, that sense of desperation there tells me. Um, there are, of course there are. Yeah. Of course there are seven sections. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. So then it's like, you're, the, the, to me, this is like, there's so many of these, those like kind of references that it's like, okay, he's, and of course the obvious reference at the end. It's like, well, what are we trying to get at here? The way, is he just trying to blend, solve this sort of problem of technology? and spirituality and say that and find a synthesis or is he suggesting I you know I'm feeling that the separation of man from the body is and and the to think that the, the last question is this question of entropy to me seems almost inhuman it seems like we, <laughs> it seems like um we think that the question of it's almost like this like thing of like technical expansion believing in technical expansion and scientific like a, a computer computerized knowledge is is all there is and there's actually something else the answer is not uh, this you know we, we've, we've, been, we've been asking a computer for a computerized response to a question that's actually a spiritual question and that's why the <laughs> that's why the answer is not a, t a scientific answer it's it's god the answer is god <laughs> um yeah and so to me um yeah. it's, it's almost but, like it's but like humanity it seems becomes like a te god. techno skepticism even though it it has this utopian art to it uh um, okay i kind of i i i i kind of like that and i don't know whether you're I, I think you're right i don't know if asimov is yeah, he's kind of playing with you a little bit um, there. I would say if you want to be more, um, if you want to say that it's, there is a, well, yeah, I guess maybe he's saying the spiritual answer for this, you know, in God is for humanity to become God, right? That's the, that's the answer to the question, is humanity must ascend to a higher plane, not to, and it must give up its last. It must give up. You know, the last mind has to fuse. So you do have to kind of go through the door. So everyone has to go through the door. You have to go through. You have to give up your life to this and only to this godlike to this godlike thing 
BAC. Yeah, and only in doing that can you emerge, can you then create and and you know participate in the creation of a new universe, which I would guess the AC is not a part of. Right? Yeah. Um, so you you have to give up your, you, 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 yeah. Although the it ends with a new universe, it there aren't there isn't man in that new universe. It's it's a, just a big bang, right? You're just you're back to atoms. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's not. Uh, the, the answer is like you kind of do have to. You do have to give it up. You do have to. Just, you have to die. It's and that's okay. That's part of the ascent. Yeah, yeah. The the ascent thing is interesting. I'm, I for some reason I'm resistant to that interpretation. I like my interpretation. I know, I know, but, I know. I I kind of am too. But, but uh, so let's call let's, let's go back. Let's go back to this last. Well, exactly. Well, again, like charitable to. You know, I I think what's odd about this is that we know Asimov is like this sci-fi writer, or we know he's sort of a. He's a he's a sci-fi writer. He's fame, and he writes about futures kind of time and time again he writes about futures um, with an understanding of sort of sense of where humanity is sort of destined to go uh, which is the, the, the best of can sci- I the best just of insert go ahead uh, I, I, just because I've read another Asimov novel it's the only other thing I read um, and in that there is a whole um, it's another like you know materialist type of struggle of humanity and the deep future and there is a um, little group or nucleus of humanity that is learning how to uh, give up its sense of individuality and, and, and cr- like join this interconnected awareness this uh, interconnected universe of, thi- of, of everything so that it shares its consciousness with like both living things and non-living things, like rocks and, and the walls and stuff like that, and spaceships. Um, so there's this little corner of the universe while there's this big materialistic struggle for like how we should govern society and how we should structure the politics and who should control the direction of history in all the galaxies. And there's this little tiny pocket of like kind of monastic humans who are just like trying to transcend. Um, so I think that although he is a hard sci-fi writer, he has this like, He's definitely got this bent to him of, yeah. of like, yeah. I mean, to me, yeah, I'm, I'm reading this last section again now, and um, and I'm trying to think how I want to, how, how to interpret this, and and uh, the humanity goes through all these trillions of years asking a question, asking a question and not getting an answer, you know, can we reverse entropy? They're asking a computer, can we reverse entropy? And and um, they do. They go through all the conceivable material advances. The, the 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 maximum end of technology, the maximum end of science, um, and man is still asking the same question that man was asking uh, trillions of years prior. Uh, in that sense, they've made no progress. Uh, they admit, uh, despite their abil- despite their ability to separate, literally separate their mind from the body, the body historically, you know, this is like a common trope in philosophy and religion in general. Historically, is like the way the body is like 
a burden on the lofty capabilities of the mind. This is like something that's like, so like they literally accomplish that. They're they're floating in hyperspace. Their minds and they they freed themselves from the burden of their bodies, and they're still asking this question of a computer uh, for an answer to entropy. And again, and they come up short. They all they all get fused. I'm not sure what to make of the fusing, but the answer, the demonstration, is uh, is creation. Um, you know, I could say you could say the answer is God. You could say the, the demonstration is creation. To me, there's something like you, there's also an interpretation like the answer is life itself. Like there is this sense that like life is the the only thing that defies entropy is life, and it only defies entropy for a moment before it dies. It kind of it flickers and it goes out. But there's a moment where like life grows and defies entropy in within its confines, and then it and then it, of course. It succumbs. Um, so I, uh, I, I want to answer the question: Is as God's the answer? Um, at least that's that's why I'm reading Asimov's lesson. There's I want to just go up to the top of this, top of this, where he kind of Asimov himself introduces this, and he says, as you noted, this is the favorite story I've written. I undertook to tell several trillion years of human history in the space of a short story, and I leave it to you as to how well I succeeded. I also undertook another task, but I won't tell you what that was lest I spoil the story for you. Um, so I undertook another task, but he won't tell us what that is. Uh, so again, to me it feels like he's really got some sort of lesson here and and i i I'm, I'm sort of shocked if the lesson is the answer is god um so i'm wondering i'm looking for alternative explanate answers that i uh that somehow reconcile techno optimism why we should be optimistic about technology because this doesn't make me feel optimistic about technology despite its general kind of confidence in the progression of human technology. It's so funny because every time I read it, I always read it as positive, like beautiful, oh, like man participating in the uh, creation and recreation and, um, you know, in the cycles of creation and destruction, essentially, becoming God, man becoming God yeah. through... And um, there is definitely that, that fusing aspect makes me think that there's a part there. I'm not sure how to make the fusing of the human consciousness with the computer and only that kind of allowing sort of. But I, I think that goes back to the death thing. Because I think like at the end of the day, you're just everyone's afraid of death. That's what everything comes down to, right? And, um, and the meaninglessness of, of life, or, or not that it is meaningless, but the, the feeling of, you know, why am I here? What am I? What am I doing with the time I have? Um, and you know, there's an acceptance I think at the end, and I think yeah. he's asking us to accept that. And I would say that is my best interpretation of the task. Yeah, is that it's a, that we need to accept, you know, the heat death of the universe <laughs> and the heat death of our own personal universes, um, and through that we can, you know, ascend. And ascend might be, you know, we might recreate another universe, 
or uh, realistically, or maybe a more materialistic view, you know, your your body like goes and participates in the entropy and in the and in the, the cycles of creation and destruction, you know, that are happening right now on our planet, where we have we don't have immortality, yeah. where our bodies will die, where our minds aren't decoupled. Um, there is a creation and destruction that's happening right here on Earth. Yeah, every and, day. and the arc you know, of every, the arc of limited resources is also happening here on a, on a much smaller scale but it's happening here limited space limited soil limited x y and z yeah. um so you can you don't need that you uh, don't need to stretch i, I just want to you present don't. two critiques that i just noticed in in reading it okay just and i just want to maybe hear your response one uh i'll just say very quickly you know you can tell the 19 the 1956 kind of like oozes out of it I was noticing it as I was reading sections out loud it's like man 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 husbanded the, <laughs> the yeah life through not a lot of women in this story uh, and even the AC is described as a he yeah um, which, I, which I thought was like you know the only uh, female characters are the wife of the you know the husband who's being like oh come on well use your brain it's entropy uh talking to the wife and the two daughters uh besides that no no women in the whole in the text and you know yeah 1956 so it's 1956 it is, which it's you know i the only the only thing I, I don't i don't know what to say much about that except for it's 1956 and i'm not sure how much that changes the story except for the fact that maybe if maybe a woman had, would have asked a different question you know, like, yeah, like, like yeah, I, I bought this yeah, earlier. Totally. I said, like, you know, it seems like we're just keep asking the same question of a computer, asking for an answer, asking a computer a question that a computer can't solve. And, um, uh, you know, there's something about the way, there's something about that that reeks of, of the, you know, the arc of human civilization to date, as far as I see it. Um, and you know, a nice like kind of like feminist interpretation, perhaps, is that like yeah, that would be patriarchal society that has done that. And there's other ways to imagine relating to the universe other than the sort of technical uh, domin technical <laughs> dominion of of the universe. So that's like you know, totally. There's you yeah. know that's that would be, then it would be a completely different story and it wouldn't be the same thing. So I'm not sure, but. No, there, I'm not qualified to offer feminist takes on uh, Isaac Asimov. Me neither. Me neither. It's, it's so I'm, like, offer, it's I'm offering that there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's well said, though. I, the other critique, and I think you, you've mentioned it, you've, you've hinted at it, I just want to hear your thoughts on it a bit more. The, the mind decoupled from the body. Yeah. I know this is a pet peeve of Anya's, and I know you feel strongly about this, too. Um, I think both of you feel very strongly about this. Um, just... A, uh, I, I, well, I'll just let you just respond to that. I mean, it, it is a little ludicrous, like our, the, the, the mind-body um, decoupling or the, the idea that there's something different than our body and like yeah. that there's something apart, that there's some vessel of essence that can leave and merge with other things. Um, yeah, you wonder if Asimov, me, is, yeah. if Asimov is sort of like himself believing of that or he's suggesting that or in writing in writing such a sort of like carefree like of and of course eventually the body we we we, we 
like naturally as we get more advanced and more scientifically progressed and humanity goes to the next stage of course we, we escape our bodies just like we escape immortality just like we escape our galaxy we escape our bodies and that's the, the natural progression of technology and a, a good thing sort of implied as a good thing a, a higher thing um, I, I wonder not I wonder if Asimov is sort of by, by putting it in there so casually and so like um, without yeah. without criticism, he's in fact setting it up for critique. As as he's if if you read this as I've been reading this, as sort of as a, a broad critique of techno utopia, like techno optimism, techno fetish, the fetish, the fetishing of like computational like computational answers to like spiritual questions. Um, yeah, uh, I think that again, like the mind, the mind is being able to be separate from the body. Is sort of the mind is like a it's like a computational sense of the mind or a, a mind is sort of something not physical, not unique to the body. I, you know, like, so I think those are sort of wrapped up, I mean, it, wrapped up and, and um, yeah, so wrapped up in each other. Just think these people, these, these people are, uh, not only did they stop having children, but they, they stopped having sex. They stopped eating food. Yeah. They stopped using their bodies altogether. And are begging, still begging for their bodies not to, yeah. to die. It's so it's so uh, bizarre in a way. It's like surreal in a way. Yeah. Of like, well, actually, that can you imagine never cooking a meal again, never having like a bite of food again, just having this abstracted consciousness wandering around the galaxy. Well, and, and of course, uh, you know, one thing they say is like, without the body, we all become one. So there's something there, like. There's nothing to differentiate us, and then we all become one. And it's sort mm-hmm. of this kind of eerie, like ending to the individual, which is like not really the, the punchline, but that that is in there. This sort of this natural uh, uniformization of the, of the human existence of trillions and trillions of people—they all just become one because they've lost the attachment to their material selves. Um, so there's an yeah. eerie. There's something I wonder like, if he's a Buddhist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I'm thinking about this again. This question about why this, this the bit about the fusing with the with the computer that happens and what what that means and, I, and I, as we've just talked through the mind body distinction and how what the other alternative would be is that sense that like the mind is indistinguishable from the body, um, the consciousness is formed by the body, that they're not separable. In fact, it's one kind of continuous. Substance, um, you might think of it like that. Um, I, you know, it, the, in order for the the computer cannot answer until it gets every single it gets it, until it consumes every single human existence into it. it has the data that's embedded in every single human existence. It's that's the data it doesn't have, and until it gets every single. Um, the data from all of humans, it can't answer the question. So there's something about the, the inability of computers to answer answer these ultimate questions, and the actual the answers themselves, the data that the computer needs is in our is, is in the humans themselves. And only when that happens can it answer the question. And the answer, of course, is you know you can interpret it as you will, as you will, but it's something about that that the answer is actually in us. The data is in us. And until can I actually maybe expand that because yeah. it might not just be restricted to, to man because it actually has to watch everything every little bit of matter it's almost like um, 
you know, to have a, there, you've, you've, the, you know, the, the whole, yeah. or the, there's so many metaphors for this. The map is not the territory or whatever. Um, but like to have a perfect, you know, map of like literally perfect of the United States, it would have to be the United States. The United States. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, same thing. Yeah. So in order to like, um, you know, everything has to join, every piece of data, every piece, every interaction, every particle, all has to be subsumed. Yeah. So to and to, then by definition becomes yeah. <laughs> and is a universe. The answer, the final answer to the, the final question is only possible once it's once it has consumed everything. And so again, there's like this sort of tale of the computer consuming everything um, in a way. Which again, now I'm, um, now I'm feeling um, feeling like yeah. So I guess I'm, I'm curious. Given our conversation, how are you interpreting it now? Are you are you interpreting this as a as a parable? A, a warning, a warning, a a skepticism, a sort of a, or are you or are you interpreting this as a as a positive image of of what technology and and the role of technology in human life. Yeah, I think you you definitely like talking about it with you has really changed my perspective on it. <laughs> I've not done a deep dive well, on this like this. So <laughs> well, I'll. You know. <laughs> You know, it's convenient for me. The answer that I get from this is confirms my priors. Oddly enough, <laughs> yeah, it's like the classic. Don't you know? Um, shocking that I've read into this story exactly what I already believed. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think I'm. I would be curious if. Yeah, I, mean, I get the, the question is what is the what is the answer to the, the final question? What is the Asimov's, what does the story tell us the answer is? What is Asimov trying to tell us the question is? And um, I'm curious how other people would read this. Yeah, I guess I do think that the answer that he is suggesting is to um, accept the finite within your life and to. You know, in accepting that, you can transcend um, from what you are into into a greater kind of spiritual plane. Um, I would say my, but my big takeaway is also kind of confirming some priors of, um, and I well I don't know is that accepting that doesn't mean, you know. Because now we can obviously I'm going to take this to Camus because what podcast would be complete with that Camus reference? <laughs> yes, please. Um, you know, yeah. So, yeah. So the universe is going to die. So are we, right? You have to accept that. But then you have to that, and that opens the door to transcendence. And in my perspective on this, there are both warnings and also um, some less I think yeah positive lessons positive. lessons yeah. yeah and I think so I go back to Z prime yeah. making a star that he knows is going to die as the absurdist you know Sisyphus yeah. pushing the boulder I up like the hill that. as the the beautiful kind of like that is transcendence is making your star in a universe that where all the stars are going to go out including the one you're making um, and that the war warning is like yeah just the you know the decoupled mind from body, giving up of all, like, in the quest for 
um, immortality, losing that that those moments of built not just building the star, but yeah, you know, falling in love, cooking a meal, like having good, you know, moving, being in a physical space with a physical body with other physical bodies, and enjoying, you know, playing basketball. Like there's like I think that's the, the there's a there's a, uh, a the warning is is about is is failing to see the transcendence in that everyday life. Um, yeah, the the answers that yeah, the answers yeah. that already lie kind of within within your own yeah. life, like the map that is your own body and your own life. Yeah, like the answer to the question is you're asking the wrong question. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which I think you said earlier. Definitely. Cool. All right. Well, we'll talk again next episode. Yeah. Um, is this does this qualify as a techno utopia? Do we need to do more techno utopia? This is this kind of went a different direction than I thought. Um, are we we're off the off the recording now? Well, yeah, I guess now now we. Have <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, I'm gonna stop my recording. <laughs> Every step in.